0: Right, Andy. We do thank you letters and receipts for in-kind donations of all levels, but what is the threshold for needing to enter them in the accounting system? We currently put in the books only major in-kind donations that we would otherwise be paying for, like the discount our vet provides on vet care. But the CPA who reviewed our financials said we should be including more than that.
1: Okay, so I have I have two things. Um, one, a, a discount is not an in-kind donation. It's a discount. So, so don't, don't, <laughs> you, you need to talk to your CPA um, and pin them down on those kinds of specific questions, because that's the kind of thing that, that the CPA, if, if they know nonprofit stuff should know that what, you know, what the definition of an in-kind donation is and what the definition of an in-kind donation is not. So if you get, if somebody gives you something, if it gives you like stuff, if you're a food bank and they give you food for free, that's absolutely an in-kind donation. Um, but if somebody just gives you a discount on services, you know, this I would normally charge my clients $150 an hour, but I like you guys so much, I'm only going to charge you $50 an hour. Um, can you send me a receipt for that other $100 an hour for in-kind services? Like You can't do that because the IRS immediately would go, well, wait, 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 how do I know $150 is the right rate? Because you're not paying $150, you're paying
0: $50. Do you still, though, Andy, can I ask a follow-up question to that as a, a novice in this area? But for budgeting purposes, let's say for real, you know that vet services for a normal customer would be 150 bucks, and they're only charging you 50 And you want to try to track that in a way that you're budgeting that if you lost that vet and the like, how do you, how do you account for that? It's
1: a discount. You account for it as a discount.
0: Okay. And that gets booked in your system, yeah. Like it's that, just a and, discount. Okay. yeah. And
1: you keep track of it as a discount. That that this is how much they charge. This is how they normally would charge me. Because at the end of the day, and I hate it when I say that. <laughs> I say it a lot. And when it comes out of my mouth. I'm always like, Why did I just say? At the end of the day. Um, so at the end of the day, though, what the IRS doesn't want is they don't want the vet trying to take a deduction for some infinite amount of money because they jacked up the bill and then threw a discount on the top of it. Gotcha. So, so what the, you know, and it comes, it's like, it's like valuing auction items, right? So like somebody gives you something and you have to, you have to value it at what the fair market value of something is, but that's usually a product that's changing hands. Services are, are really tricky and are frequently services can't be in kind. The other half of the question though, is um, what, how much, how many things that could be counted as in-kind should you count as in-kind? And the answer to that is all of it. And and it's, it's not because there's an accounting threshold. It's not like, you know, they gave us some stuff and it wasn't worth very much, so we decided not to bother with it. Um, y- the reason you should account for all of that stuff as in-kind donations is because it increases your revenue. And and organizations that have higher revenues and lower expenses look better. Uh, so, so anytime anybody gives you anything, if you can assign a value to it, absolutely assign a value to it and put it in your books
0: i'm assuming andy you can cluster it so like let's say someone gives you i mean we had another question about coats so someone gives you 50 coats you don't have to put in one coat per item for booking you can say 50 coats valued at this yeah absolutely okay yeah i wouldn't
1: i wouldn't get super granular with it um and again I've seen, I've seen nonprofits go really far one direction and I've seen nonprofits go really far the other direction. Um, and, and the, the, the threshold usually is, or not the threshold so much, but like the decision point about how you're going to, how granular you're going to get with it is like, are they wildly different values to be, you know, is it, you know, a a super dingy, nasty, ancient jacket, and then is it like an heirloom, actually the jacket that Michael Jackson wore in the thriller video? So like you, there would be a, you could, you could Great say that, yeah, that those two things are not necessarily valued at the same amount. Um, so, yeah. so there might be a reason that you would want to do those two things separately. Uh, so that's, that would, that would be what I would use for my decision point is like, are these things really the same or are they different? If they're different, we should value them differently.
0: Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit or nonprofit and nonprofit
1: marketing. Nonprofit resources. The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything, nonprofit, with your hosts, Andy Shurit and Stacy Wedding.
0: Hey, 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 this is Stacey here with my amazing co-host, Andy Shurek, and we're here on behalf of and the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits with this episode of Nonprofit Everything, where we answer all of your questions, uh, whether they are burning in your in your brain and soul or just completely just. I don't know, boring, but that's okay. Either one will take. So we just want your questions. So send us your questions. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Thanks to Anne for making this possible. And as always, we love your love. So please share this, uh, like us, subscribe, do all that stuff you're supposed to do when you listen to podcasts.
1: This episode of Nonprofit Everything is sponsored by the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits Job Board, your one-stop shop for the next step in your career. Searching job listings is totally free and and members receive a big discount in posting new jobs. There are dozens of nonprofit jobs available right here in Nevada, and there are out-of-state jobs too. Find it by going to the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits webpage and clicking the Job Board button or access it directly at jobs.alliancefornevadanonprofits.com or find the link in the Nonprofit Everything show notes.
0: a board member of a tiny grassroots nonprofit. We only have one paid staff member. Recently, I received a private message through Facebook from someone our organization served. This person said they wanted to talk with me about a bad interaction they had with someone at our agency. In my role as the board president, is this appropriate for me to respond to? How best should I handle this situation?
1: Oh, it's such a juicy question, isn't it?
0: Ooh. It is. And, you know, you're, we're, we're all untouchable these days with social media, aren't we? Good yeah. grief. Like people can find us anywhere.
1: Yeah. And then feel the feel because they were able to find you on LinkedIn. that it's totally cool to call you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. At home,
1: yeah. at night. It's yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's not that that's happened before and that we're holding grudges or anything.
1: <laughs> nope. <laughs> so. I, I think I'm going to guess that the relationship that you have as a board, as the board, is it board president or board member just it says
0: a, board, president. Oh, board president and it yeah. but it and it says staff member so we don't know what kind of staff i'm 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 making the assumption it's an executive director but maybe it isn't
1: yeah okay so so i mean hopefully that relationship with uh with the organization and the board is a really good one right so that so that you're not i mean the, probably the reason you're uncomfortable with this is because you trust the staff and you want them to do a good job and you're just not clear how you should handle that, that responsibility. Is it, is it your responsibility to be able to respond to that kind of thing or you should leave it to the staff to do? I think in you know, my, my, you know, my position is always, let's just be as wide open as we possibly can. I would probably do two things at once. I would reach out to the board chair, the, the uh, executive director, whoever the staff member is, and say, hey, I got an email from this person um, and I'm going to respond to them um, this is what they said. Do you have any input before I reach out to them, so that you can sort of let them know that that's what's happening before you respond, and then your response can be as totally non-committal as you want. Which is, thank you so much for your concern. I'm really happy to talk to you. Um, however, like I'd rather you approach this through the staff that we have, whose job it is to take care of this. You know, and let me know how it goes. Right, leave yourself open to getting feedback after the fact, but. But figure out a way to to turn it back to the staff to let the staff take care of it. Because either, you know, one, there's one of two realities. Either one, something really bad did happen and this person is, you know, maybe trying to do a whistleblower complaint kind of thing. Or... They're a grumpy Gus and just don't feel like the free service they got was free enough or whatever it is. And they just want, you know, I want to talk to your manager, says Becky, right? Yes, <laughs> oh, we
0: can all we can all hear that awful person, <laughs> that really that person who had a really bad day, who's taking it out on the world and yeah, everybody around. Absolutely. Them. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, Andy, because I I generally agree with you. I think my approach I, I think I would do something similar, but maybe take a little bit of a different tact. So my thought process with these kinds of things is that I absolutely would go to a staff member first, like you said before, but I don't know if it would be as much uh as much of a I'm doing this and anything you want to share, as much as it would be, hey, I got this and I just wondered do you know anything? about this person or this situation, because I think what I'd be looking to, to hear is it's a one, uh, I think it's a one person staff, you know, staffed organization. So I think I'd want to know, could it have, I mean, maybe it's potentially a volunteer, maybe it was some client. And the, the, this person that was complaining, didn't understand that. I don't know. Like, I don't know. There's so many variables that I really would want to really, to see if I could check in with the staff First, and then sort of almost problem solve with them about what is the best approach they could tell me this person is an avid complainer, complains about everything, does this like every week, right, mm. and then just happen to find me and that's probably going to influence even how I approach the person so I think I would really take it from a hey, do you know this person dean you know, what's the, what was the situation and you know and then kind of go from there now of course, I still think we, you know, you owe it to the person who reached out to you to at least let them know. But then I think for me, it would, a lot of that would be contingent on what I just learned. And so it would either be talk to a staff member, but what if it was about, if the complaint was about that staff member, that's a really uncomfortable situation. Let's say it was an executive director that whatever, miss, whatever, was it did something that, that this person really took offense to. I think then just, I would want to know that as a board member because this person's representing us publicly. And so I think I would then reach out and say to the person, listen, I appreciate you reaching out. Uh, we obviously take all concerns seriously. Can I set up a time to talk to you? And then if it was about the ED, then it would all be, I still have to have the EDs back or the staff members back that this person's con- you know calling me about or emailing me about. But like, I can at least then kind of know a little bit of history before I go into it. So I'm sort of armed a, a bit better. So that's that's the way I would take it. And then, you know, of course, if it was about a volunteer or some other part of the organization that that staffer manages, then absolutely, like this person needs to talk, talk to the staff member managing that part of the organization and just whatever, figure it out. But um, it's it's like that fine line of of being attentive and like that old customer service line of, I'm not going to defend. I'm just going to listen. I'm not going to necessarily apologize, but I'm going to listen, right? And I'm just going to say, "I hear you. I hear your frustration." And we're going to try to rectify this, or we'll take, you know, I, I appreciate you telling me. Hope our, you know, future experiences, you know, aren't like this. But, but it's kind of like this person probably just needs to get something off their chest, and hopefully, they go away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I was my so my first nonprofit job. Um, a hundred and thirty-six thousand years ago, I was. <laughs> wow, um you're old. Uh, yeah, I was. I worked in a box office of a theater, and we had a list that was printed out and then taped to the side of one of the computers at the front of the box office of people who are going to hassle you. And so they were they were season ticket holders that had been season ticket holders for twenty five years, which apparently gave them the authority to just do whatever they wanted <laughs> because because if you if if you told them, regardless of whether or not it was a rule, if you told them something and they didn't like it, they were gonna call. They were gonna call the artistic director and the executive director both at home to tell you that I don't like the interaction that I had at your box office today. Ugh. And it was things like, you know, we we ordered some extra tickets for our friends and and we we wanted row R seats two and one on the aisle, but instead we got row S seats two and one on the aisle. And that is absolutely unacceptable. <laughs> and, you know, as a box office person, you're like, was I supposed to move the people that were already in the other seats? I don't know exactly. how to help you. Right. So it's always my own. My first instinct is always like, you know, like, the customer's wrong. <laughs> 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 like, I'm just trying to do my job. I'm following the rules. Like, just because you're who you are doesn't mean that you get to wreck it for everybody else. You know, that that I'm going to talk to your manager thing. Just like it gives me it just makes me so annoyed.
0: And don't you think there's certain industries that really attract those types of people more than others, right? There's certain nonprofits. So one of the worst is any nonprofit that is an animal rescue. Uh, God help those people because everybody, you know, they will die for their animals and you can't tell them anything or, Oh, we're not adopt. We're not letting you adopt or whatever the situation is. Oh, I would know. Ne- I can never have that job. So hats off to those of you doing that. Or you're right. Like something like a theater, something where you just dealing with masses of people and irrational people so much of the time. So, yeah. so I tend to, I'm like you, like I actually tend to side more with the the internal parties to the organization that I have the relationship with. Cause I just, I know them. I don't know this stranger reaching out that, as you said, is a grumpy Gus.
1: Yeah, but I, I think you're right that d- listening and getting to the bottom of it and making sure that you don't take the authority away from your staff is probably the, you know, the, the big takeaway, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, Andy, this, this question. All right. I am a new board member of a smaller grassroots nonprofit. We have a board of five and a staff of two. One of those staff is an executive director. From what I've been told, our board funds a large majority of this organization. Our board does not share the budget or financials with our ED, which I find a bit odd. When I asked about it, they said they didn't want the ED to realize how much money they have and then think she should get paid more or take advantage of the situation somehow is this standard practice? How should I broach this with the board if there is a better way to handle this?
1: Um, I can say unequivocally that no, this is not standard practice.
0: I mean, have you um, ever, Andy, heard of
1: yeah, this happening? In, in my entire career, I have never encountered that. Where, where the, the board creates the budget and apparently does the bookkeeping too. Yes. Or, or has an outside organization Must. do the bookkeeping and then keeps that information just for the board. And then what does the executive director do if they don't have access to any of the financials at all?
0: I mean, I'm guessing that puts question. the board in a pretty, you know, in a position of a lot of power and control that everything the executive director has to do, they have to run by the board first or spend money on. They have to run by the board first, right? I mean, otherwise, how yeah. else do you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's, and we, I think we've said this a couple of times, this is a self-limiting situation. So this organization is always, if, if the intent of this is to serve some sort of mission, um, unless that mission is very, very tiny and easily handled, this organization is never going to grow to a size that they can actually affect any change or do any good. Um, So, and the reason for that is that you've got a very strange trust situation between the board and the executive director, and that the board has apparently hired someone that they don't think is capable of actually running the organization, don't think is capable of making uh, rational decisions about what is in the best interest of the organization. And as soon as they find out how much money the board has, the first thing they're going to do is ask for more salary. That's the strangest thing I've ever heard. Um, So, so to answer the question, if I were a new board member coming into this cabal or whatever it is, <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: um, I think, I think I would. I mean, first of all, I would never be a new board member <laughs> in this organization. <laughs> like, I would run the first time. Would you, time you resign? Would you no, resign on like, the spot? You know, I'd be like, wait, what <laughs> explain to me how that works? Like, why would you do that? And, and also I'm probably not the kind of person that they want to have on that board because they, they would know that I would know too much and instantly be an instigator and make everything worse <laughs> for them and their controlling ways. So, um, so maybe I'm not the best person to say, what would I do if I were on that board? Um, I think if I were someone else who had managed to get on that board somehow, I would, I would begin by asking probing questions about what the point of the organization is and how on earth they think that they're going to, they're going to actually serve that mission. If they aren't going to give the executive director and the staff, any of the tools that they need to do their job, because I mean, just in in a totally analogous situation, all of these people probably, I mean, maybe they run their own businesses or they're involved in some other, other organization, what if that like hyper paternal situation happened in their own business where the owner says, I want you to sell 42 widgets or whatever, but I'm not going to tell you how much money you can spend on advertising or marketing or sales or, you know, even building the widgets or any of this other stuff. It's just a secret. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we'll tell, you know, just ask us and I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll decide if maybe that that's a legitimate expense for you. <sighs> (sighs) Um, that's just some sort of weird hyper paternalistic system that probably just doesn't belong in a nonprofit organization at all. Um, I I suspect that, you know, the situation, if the board is just going to keep shoveling money at it, um, it could probably continue for some time. But if they're serious about actually solving anything or doing any good, like that's a really stupid way to do it. Well,
0: and I almost wonder, I almost wonder, I was trying to figure out and give I I read this question, I had the same reaction you did, and then I was trying to figure out, is there any other sort of benefit of the doubt to give this board? Could it be just true ignorance about this? Could it be, you know, is there an education opportunity with this new board member who comes in to maybe, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm probably giving way more benefit of the, of the doubt than <laughs> anyone deserves, but, you know, is there that? Or or perhaps like if they really want to run something like this, set up your own private foundation and make all your just dis- like like it's just it's that mindset of wanting complete control and sort of authority. And And I think sometimes I find this not everybody, but sometimes people who are in business or who whether they've started companies or they have their own, sometimes they are so used to just being that power seat, making decisions, making decisions quickly that it's sort of just like they may not even be thinking about what they're doing. And I don't know, I'm not going to, I'm not here to read intentions. I'm just trying to figure out because this just really puzzled me. Like I scratched my head and said, I've never in the history of working with nonprofits ever run into this. So uh, gosh, yeah, as a new I board mean, member, you have an opportunity. I hope to turn the, to, to turn the thinking around.
1: Yeah. If, I mean, if it really is, if it's a cause that's important, if the reason you joined the board is that the cause is important to you, um, maybe, maybe that's, I mean, that's where I'd probably, if I was serious about it, that's where I would start the conversation is like, if, if we really want to affect some sort of change, we're going to need to, we're going to need to hire people we trust and, and, and let them you know, use their skills and tools to be able to make this organization function.
0: And Andy, let me ask you this, like, so this is sort of just a follow up. So, if for some reason there is a trust issue with the current executive director, let's say the person has no financial like background or inkling. I, I would love to hear this from you as a finance guy. Do you think someone who has no knowledge, has never even created a budget, has no clue how to read financials, should be an executive director?
1: Nope. I mean, I, I really think, I mean, it, I don't know what that person would do. If if they if they really can't understand, I mean, it's like it's like asking if someone should be a doctor, but has but really aren't in, that interested in learning how humans work. I mean, it's it, there's so much. But I mean, maybe my lens is weird, but it feels like there's so much of what someone who's in charge um, is supposed to be working on that's related to the long-term fiscal health of the organization to make sure it can continue in perpetuity and be able to do what it needs to do, that if you don't get how those tools work, if you can't read a balance sheet and income statement, if you can't create a budget, I mean, it's totally legitimate to not understand arcane you know, CPA nonsense, right? Like that's probably smart. You don't cloud your brain with that kind of nonsense. You, that's why you hire people that are good at that kind of thing that like learning stupid things that can help you through that kind of stuff. But the, but the basics, I mean, you should really be able to look at a balance sheet and know what it means. Look at an income statement and know what it means. Like look at a cash flow statement and know why that's important. Yeah. Um, If you don't have those tools, you should definitely learn them. uh, I think- (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of step one. And then see how you do after you've learned them, right? But but I'm just yeah. sort of thinking, just again, because we don't have all the details. Like I'm thinking about the organization thinking perhaps if there is a situation like that where they have where there's an executive director that doesn't have that skill set and for whatever reason has other glorious skill sets, it is that something that can be taught and learned. I mean, it's a small organization, right? It says a staff of two. So like it's that financial burden is gonna fall heavy on the ED's shoulder. I mean shoulders. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I've seen organizations that are tiny like the second person people hire isn't usually a financial pro- finance person. Like in a lot of cases it maybe it should be like they want to hire a program person, they want to hire yeah. a development person, but but in, there's that finance person needs, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm using my own crazy lens, but it feels like that person needs to be kind of in there at the beginning because there's so many things that that, that person can do. Plus like in tiny organizations, the person that has that, that, uh, uh, that chief financial officer role or whatever you want to call that person, the the controller or whatever, you get to make them do all the other garbage that <laughs> no one else wants to do. You get to make them in charge of it and HR, other
0: job duties as a side janitorial yes.
1: security, whatever yes. else. Cause that person like just goes, okay, I'll do it. Congratulations once again to getting to the end of another episode of nonprofit, everything on behalf of Stacy, we'd like to thank you for listening. Number one, all the way to the end and number two, just to tuning in with us at all. And once again, we'd love to reiterate the, the request for new questions. So we are living in a new world now. Things are very different. um, And the number of questions we received has sort of fallen off a cliff, which is interesting. Uh, So check in with us. Let us know how you're doing. If there's other stuff that we could be doing for you, there are other questions we could answer, things that you want Stacy and I to work on, we'd love to hear from you. So please send us an email. You can go to nonprofiteverything.com and click the contact us link there. Um, otherwise, you can get to us on Facebook, Twitter, pretty much anywhere. And we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Mm-hmm.